Most businesses today face two major marketing challenges. One, people are overloaded by information. We're talking about over 5 billion pieces of new content every day. And two, people have much shorter attention spans and spend only about 8 seconds on anything before they jump on to the next thing. It's no wonder that companies are struggling to get their message heard. The result of poor marketing communication is that 70% of all venture-backed companies are failing, according to CV Insights. Hi, I'm Shlomi Ron, co-founder at the Visual Storytelling Institute, based here in sunny Miami, Florida. We help marketers like you rise above the communication noise with personalized visual storytelling programs so you can connect better with your audience, empower their lives, and grow faster your company. Welcome to the Visual Storytelling Today Show. This show is your number one source for the latest and most effective visual storytelling strategies you can apply to your business today. From new business storytelling techniques, latest trends in video and infographics, to augmented and virtual reality. Join us every month to meet notable visual storytellers and discover their marketing insights and stories. Hi, my name is Shlomi Ron. I'm a co-founder at the Visual Storytelling Institute based here in, uh, in Miami, Florida. And we help uh, business leaders uh, articulate, uh, visualize, and distribute their business stories uh, so they can connect better with the audiences and grow faster with their companies. So with that, uh, I know that a lot of, uh, of you uh, are struggling with the challenge of connecting better with audiences. So for this episode, I, start, I decided to uh, invite a, a guest that it's outside of the traditional uh, marketing space that I typically uh, interview. And I have uh, the great pleasure to uh, invite Smin Kotov. Uh, she's the owner of Mina Mediterranean. And uh, one of the great success uh, stories uh, in Miami's uh, cuisine landscape. So with that, uh, welcome to the show, Yasmin. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Great. Wonderful. So what we normally do is uh, maybe if you can, uh, since, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top, uh, typically I interview uh, folks with uh, more marketing backgrounds, uh, maybe you can give us a, you know, your backstory, what inspired you to become a, a chef or a restaurant owner? And what's your backstory? Uh, well, the backstory is that the, the restaurant is inspired by uh, family family recipes. They're specifically my mother's recipes. Um, my parents owned a restaurant that they opened after it already. Me and my sister both graduated university. So we were out of the house. It wasn't something we necessarily grew up around, but we did grow up around food being very kind of important part of uh, our culture, traditions. So, um, you know, so that that's sort of why we chose. I chose this sort of cuisine, uh, and the business side of it. I I guess after working for others for you know the first part of my career after university, um, I worked in the music business for about 15 years, and then decided I wanted to work for myself. Uh, and I I really I just didn't have any other ideas as to. <laughs> So um, right. the fact that my parents had uh, a, a restaurant that they had running and I, would, I helped them sort of um, renovate the space and open up. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I went in and out. I would kind of help them so they go on vacation. Uh, I didn't necessarily have a background in restaurants either, but I had access to the recipes. I had access to advice from them. 
So it was um, it was sort of the, the idea I had, and I, and I wasn't afraid to take on a space and turn it into a restaurant. So um, yeah, so that's sort of what got me into the restaurant business. When we when we talked, uh, I know that uh, you mentioned earlier that you have a background in journalism, right? Um, I have a degree in journalism. I wouldn't call it a background. I mean, I, I graduated from University of Texas with. Um, with a bachelor in journalism specializing in PR um, and a minor in business. But I, I, I wouldn't, I would say that, and since graduating, my particular story is that I have never had to present that degree to anyone or have mm -hmm. I used, um, I the, you know, it's not, it's not been a vocational degree. I mean, I think that basically right. I, I completed a degree and, which made and, then, happy. and then, and then and you then, moved to the music business. You right. Which, a, you said you told me you ran you ran a, a, a road shows a, for major a, a artists, right? Musicians. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was a tour. I mean, I, I started as a lighting technician, and then I became a tour accountant. Um, yes, and I toured with a lot of different, um, both solo artists and uh, bands, uh, and uh, sort of dealt with the financial aspect of their touring business um, throughout the world. I see. Uh, and so it was a lot of movement, and it was a lot of. I mean, it was fun. I really. I enjoyed it. I miss it sometimes. Uh, uh, there's some things I don't miss and some things I miss a lot. So, but you know, I thought I sort of ran into a time where I felt that it had sort of run its course uh, and I got the best out of it that I could get. And, and I felt like it was time for a transition. And so, you know, so the restaurant was, um, it sort of felt like something I could get into without a lot of history or knowledge of the business um, other than being a, consumer of it. I, I mean, living on the road, I was constantly living in hotels and, and eating all my meals out. So right. I, I was always, um, you know, I, I really was a, a, a nonstop consumer of restaurants. And I was always, an op I, I think, operationally, and maybe because my parents, once I started touring, had a restaurant, I sort of paid attention to them when I would be there. I mean, I didn't, you know, of course, sometimes if you're in a business meeting, you're very focused on what you're talking about. But Otherwise, I would like to go out to eat. I enjoyed nice restaurants, and I, and I usually paid attention to what, um, you know, to what was going on in my surroundings when I was at a restaurant. And I would normally, I mean, I just sort of, I think I always did take it in, like, what, mm. why is this one working? Like, it's so busy, and, and others that don't. I sort of always kind of paid attention to those. Do you, do you remember any uh, the this magical moment where you know really you kind of. Uh, realize yes that's what I want to do and after maybe looking for a job in, in other fields uh, maybe what was kind of your um, I didn't really moment? I mean one uh, you know the decision was I decided um, you know the music business is uh, an interesting one I would say that I, I think of probably just a, a, a bad experience in it that just opened my eyes to uh, it being time to make a shift I mean, I think like many people, the change is sort of, I think had everything always been so great, I, I probably would never have. But I think um, a couple of incidents opened my eyes to the fact that I, I mean, I could have continued. I, I was doing quite well. I mean, I was definitely young for what I was achieving, but I felt like I, I it might have run its course for me and my personality. I and um, and I, I thought that I'm the sort of person that um, when I do something or work, on something it truly uh, takes all my attention and and all my mind space to figure out how to optimally make it work financially 
that make it make something the most money. And so after kind of seeing that I was doing that for other people and always thinking about how to make them more money out of what they were working on, uh, it was maybe time to do it for myself somehow uh, while I still had kind of youth and energy and, and my, my, you know, lack of a what better word, but like hunger, drive, you know, so right. I thought that, um, no, it was absolutely. probably time to, to, to make a transition uh, into thinking about ways to work for myself and putting how I worked, which was in, a little quite intensely and, and constantly uh, towards making my own future and retirement uh, better instead of other people's. And so... That was, your, that was your first venture uh, that you are uh, starting in a new business on your own or, or you yeah. have other past experiences? Oh, no. No, I've always, I mean, I worked for, I mean, I really, you know, other than working, you know, throughout university, I, I you know, I, I did a little bit of bartending and waiting tables. But then I, as soon as I got into the music business, which was as a stagehand, as an That's intern it. as well for a promoter, a local promoter in Austin, Texas, right. um, I, I knew I wanted to be in the music business and I specifically enjoyed the live music aspects. So, um, mm. and the touring shows. So I, I always, that, you know, from age 18, um, on, that's what I did. So I just, I, I worked, I was freelance and that I worked for different bands or different promoters, um, uh, who would buy tours. And I, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I didn't really work for, I was freelance, but I did work for people. Um, and that was really all, that's um that's all I did and when I just sort of when I had the epiphany or you know the, the realization I just stopped I stopped um I stopped accepting tours and while I I got a real estate license to look for the space I took I took uh, some time to help my sister start up her own company um and then after that was up and running um I sort of you know kind of went so it back sounds to like them. you're a family of entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah, I guess so yeah well, it's awesome. good or bad but it, it, it is what it is so so yeah so then that was it so this is my first venture um, mm -hmm. and you know well that's awesome I mean, that's now. fantastic so it sounds like you know you had some bad experience uh, in the previous uh, job and you were looking to find uh, you, you saw it as a signal for you to kind of look for the next uh, opportunity for you and I'm most likely you looked around things you like to do and obviously since you had this experience with the working uh, uh, helping your uh, your family with the restaurant I guess uh, that, that definitely helped uh, kind of uh, pave uh, the decision so take can you uh, describe like the the first days of uh, how it all kind of came together oh well the restaurant well I guess it started with the space uh, the space I found an old abandoned warehouse, which uh, in itself was. And why Miami? Why Miami, by the way? How did you end up in Miami? I, I, I fell in love with it on tour. Um, oh, I see. Maybe like ten years before, um, I, I really we had a few days off here on one tour, and and we were in South Beach, and it was like 2003, so it wasn't super busy or touristy. It was certainly changing. It wasn't what it was maybe ten years prior, but it was on that transition. Um, but it felt like uh, it was very, like the beach was beautiful and I love the beach. Um, but it was a major city, which I'd never really spent much time in Miami. I spent more time in London or, or New York at that time, New York City. Because you grew and, up in um, Texas, right? Yeah, I grew up in Texas and I spent more time um, while touring and working in the music business in New York or, or Los Angeles. So then 
became Miami and I just, I liked, I appreciated it's, um, it felt like a little bit of an island meets a major city. Um, you know, you have an island mentality, which I felt was kind of cool because it slows people down. Yet you had the amenities of a major city um, and the airport and the, you know, like, and the movement. And I assumed, you know, the culture, and, you know, because I, you would hear different languages all over the place besides Spanish, obviously. But you, I, I guess because I was in South Beach, the tourists and people were coming yeah. from all over yeah, the absolutely. world. So I appreciated that without the, the weather. Yeah. Um, I didn't like cold weather, so I appreciated that. Mm. Um, I felt Los Angeles was, you know, I've always liked it, but I, I don't know. I, I was I didn't I wasn't drawn to live there. I had moments where I thought I was going to live there, but um, hmm. yeah. So I, I I had bought a condo here while I was on tour and decided that when I sort of retired one day, retired yeah. from music or whatever, this was where I would want to come to. Hmm. Um, so I, and then the city is 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 still young, and it was then too. I, I felt like unlike yeah, five other years people, ago, right? Yeah, six now, six from mm -hmm. when I bought, bought the space. Um, it felt like. Oh, the kind of place where there's a lot still lacking, uh, which meant that there was opportunity for people. It was relative to other major cities, inexpensive. Um, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't cheap. I mean, things weren't certainly not cheap, but for, um, you know, I mean, coming from Texas, it was expensive, but spending time in Los Angeles and New York, it was oh, not yeah. expensive. Absolutely. So, you know, again, so relative to those cities, it was, um, it seemed like there was more opportunity. Um, there was a lot left to be done um i think that it gets a lot of attention because it's the beautiful beaches um but i i thought that there was still you know it was uh, some other than hotels hospitalities i really didn't know much about its financial or you know i knew there was a port i knew there was a big business right. financial district but i didn't know much about miami i've learned a lot more obviously once i made my um you know built the restaurant has spent the last six years here but um but it, it just felt like there was room, there was room for people that didn't have a lot of money to come and do something. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a, been, a, you know, I've learned since it's definitely a tricky market. Right. Um, but that was, you know, the draw was the beaches. I think we're all sort of seduced to this city Absolutely. based on the, we're surrounded by the beautiful water, the weather. Um, those of us who come from warmer climate cultures can yep. maybe identify with it as an, as a, you know, as just a, terrain to be on in a place that you know right. i mean being from egypt originally i it, it has it, it's familiar to me uh but within the u.s because i wouldn't want to live in egypt anymore i mean I, I didn't grow up there so i don't i don't have yeah, enough yeah. familiar with how to navigate like i like i am in the u.s growing up here right. so so i guess it just sort of made sense to me right and and, and you picked uh, north miami which is a kind of a very interesting urban area uh, in Miami to uh, for the restaurant and you know I've visited your restaurant uh, many times and definitely you know I can see that you invested a lot in the the complete uh, revamp of the space of the old warehouse you know it's definitely has a feeling of a kind of an upscale bistro <laughs> yeah. so I was kind of wondering, any since we are a, a show about visual storytelling and visuals is really important, any visual uh, cues that you uh, took to heart uh, in particular uh, as you were kind of uh, designing the space? Uh, well, I well the the space it just it turned out to be a really cool building that I didn't realize. Um, 
it, what I liked about it, well, it was A, affordable, which mm -hmm. is really why I came to North Miami. I mean, the dream and the, you know, the sort of, the dream is to be on the beach, right? Like, that's what drew me here. I wanted to, I really would have loved to open a restaurant right. on the beach, near the beach, yeah. near the ocean, live right there, you know, like be a few blocks away. You have these thoughts of going to the beach right. on, if you have a break or a little hour here or there, but it was too expensive. So I had to look elsewhere, yeah. which what led me to this part of Miami. I truly, you know, I told you I got the real estate license so I could look for the space. And um, I found this building and what I loved about it is how, well, it was freestanding, which meant I could build a garden. And I think being from Texas, it had a huge parking lot, which I appreciated. Um, yes. Because like, everybody owns a car. And I think that it made me feel like, okay, that will give me an like a chance. Like as if it's convenient for people, they were at least try it. Yeah. Uh, it's not in any kind of, there's no foot traffic, there's no natural or organic, um, any kind of traffic in the sense of people. Yeah, you have to actually pick your place in particular right. and know about yeah, it. It's a destination, yeah. yeah. Um, but visually, when I was designing it, um, mm -hmm. what I discovered when we started to peel the layers of neglect off, which this place had been abandoned for decades, nothing mm -hmm. had been done to it, um, and boarded up, we found these really beautiful old warehouse windows, which made it, made me have to shift my kitchen from being in the back, which is where the windows are, to the front, which is street side. Um, so that that sort of uh, had something to do with the design. But also the thing I would say is lighting um, mm -hmm. uh, at night too. I, I, I've never been one to understand a super bright restaurant. I don't like bright spaces. Maybe that's just me. But I mean, maybe too, I, you know, I worked as a lighting technician. So I worked with lighting designers for these shows and maybe that I have a little bit of background in that. So sort of designing a space where the lighting was important, which um, I don't think a lot of people really put as much importance into that, just like, you don't setting that up. Um, a place that's comfortable so that it's not, um, it doesn't feel too fancy, you know, like the white linen, so it's accessible to people. Um, and, and then it's large, so you can have gatherings without feeling like you're taking over the space or you're intruding on everything else in the restaurant. Um, I, I guess those are sort of the things that I would think about because I, traveling around uh, on tour, I mean, these were A-list artists, so we would be invited or we would go to the nice places. You know, we would, on my time, I would, we would normally be in the middle of town, so we were surrounded by some of the better restaurants and cafes and cities. Um, we would sometimes go out to eat in groups of 15, 20 people. Um, so I, again, I took all those sort of experiences in and always sort of, I think in design, I, I knew what I liked as a consumer and what I appreciated when I went out to eat. And, and I think the setting and the lighting and, um, you know, of course the food, I mean, those are obvious things, right? You have to have Absolutely. good food, good service. I mean, those are those are, it's, inter has it's interesting that you mentioned the lighting because I actually noticed it in a big way, especially uh, the, the big window that just behind you uh, during, you know, the afternoon sun when sun uh, starts to set. That window is, is pretty much turned into an artwork in terms of the shadows and patterns that you kind of makes it unreal so i'm kind of in yeah. interested if, to know if that was internet intentional or well the way the windows actually the windows behind me aren't the big windows that we have which are warehouse i mean i can show you um you're going to get a lot of like 
blinding with me. See, those are the kind of warehouse yeah, yeah. windows. Um, uh, those actually face north, so we never get a sunset, which was actually, I, I mean, this was really well designed. It was built in the 50s, so um, for the first eight months, we didn't have any air conditioning here. We left those windows open, so we left them open. Oh, and It never got hot in here, and partially because the windows are on the south and the north side, not east and west, so there's never any direct sunlight in coming into the building. Um, those shadows and stuff outside just happen to be from me planting a perimeter of trees along oh, the west okay. side. So when the sun sets on the west side, it's those trees, like, yeah, like they hit the wall. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, those are like fun discoveries, you know, as you do things. I would say, I definitely was not. Oh, it's um, an accidental surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not designer enough to think of that, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, that's cool. yeah, but that was just a cool addition. Yeah, no, I mean lighting because, you know, we're predominantly open at night. So the lighting was more about the evening time. Uh, I know that some, for sometimes, you know, now that everybody has a flashlight on their phone, you mm. see a lot of people get their flashlights to read the menu, which I'm sure is a little bit annoying. But then, I mean, if you think about it, once you look at the menu, you make your order, that's five, 10 minutes of your evening. And the rest is wow. two, three hours uh, of sitting sure. there. And I feel that softer light. Um, it's just, and I think that's one of the reasons we tend to have longer time. People, when they come, they sit for a long time. For a long time. Um, we and we don't get a lot of in and out. Yeah, and I think that I think mm. that's the comfort. You know, the seats. I would say we pat, we actually padded the seats more. They were not hardwood. They're not like you know. I, I just I guess things like that. You know that mm -hmm. small details that I kind of again as a constant consumer paid attention to and tried to input. Well, you know, because I, I don't have any kind of background in design or. No, that's like, fantastic. I mean, or, you basically wore the the customer hat in previous experiences, and basically tried to apply it to, to your business. That's great, and. When we talked earlier, we also said that uh, you didn't invest much in advertising to no, get the word out, and but you got uh, success uh, just the same. So, can, can you think of you know what might be uh, the reasons? Uh, what are the things that you've done that you think? Well, I think that um, you know, like, like I was telling you, I, I first I didn't advertise because I. I didn't know what to expect and I didn't, I honestly, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I actually didn't want a lot of people at the beginning if we mm. weren't ready for it. So at first I thought, let's just see what happens because we have to- More organic flow, basically. We're gonna have to work out our kinks. So if we like try and make this a big deal and get hundreds of people in the door, but then we fall on our faces because we haven't worked out our kinks and it won't be good. So I sort of just wanted to open the doors quietly mm. um, through just, I mean, you know, I would say I, I own a home in the neighborhood. I'm on the, you know, I was on the association. I would tell people around the other business owners that were near this because during construction, which was a year long because of zoning, I had a lot of issues with the city. Um, right. But uh, so in that time, I, you know, I was always here and I, I was going to the places around here and talking to business owners and people would come around and be curious about what we were doing here. So I think just by being in the very surrounding neighborhood, I'm not a big networker. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I didn't have business cards. I didn't go around. I didn't talk about it, but I just got to know the people around. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we opened, I had a small friends and family night uh, just to invite people so we could test our systems out. You know, it was like a free of charge type of thing just come and, um, and that gave us our, our first boost. Kind um, of a pilot. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we opened and I was quite frankly, pleasantly surprised by the turnout. It was just enough. It was you know, a little bit hairy at times for us. It was a little busier than we anticipated. But um, 
uh, I, I guess I was quite happy with how we were starting. And what I found was, you know, and this is what I was telling you, I think that as an owner, and this is for the restaurant business, I think people appreciate sort of meeting and knowing the face behind it. I think in a world now that's um, set up where people set, you know, like there's so many chains um, and so many um, corporations sort of opening up, most establishments people frequent. Um, I think so when something opens up by a single person, you know, or a small, small, like, uh, you know, I guess mom and pop is this sort of the word that people come up with. I, I, I don't go yeah. there because this isn't like a mother and father, right? But yeah, sure. you know, so I think like when people hear when something is um, individually owned and that individual is there and they speak to that individual and see them and get to know them a little bit, you know. It's like going to um, their home almost. Yes, right? and, that, and that's the feeling, you know, and, and this is it's truly my mother's recipes, right? So you are coming to, you're eating the same food that, when we had dinner parties as a kid with family and friends, this is that same food. So wow. it really is like coming to my home. Um, and so I think that that, um, that was sort of what kept the business going and growing mm -hmm. uh, because people who came, I, at that time, you know, my mother was actually here helping me for those first nine months. So she was in the kitchen a lot, um, all the time. So it helped me not have to be in the kitchen because I had faith that there was quality control back there. So uh, let's call it, you know, she, she's the chef, right? So right. I had a chef who doesn't really get any better. You can trust them. They want you to succeed because they're your parents. <laughs> so yeah, I was very absolutely. lucky, you know, so so she's back there making sure everything is consistent and good and also a, a fellow perfectionist, you know, so um, I could go in the front and get to know the people who were coming mm. in. Yep. Um, and so I think that that led to that. I think that what that does is first, they were all neighborhood people because mm -hmm. we didn't, we weren't trying to reach out to tourists or other parts of Miami. So they were from this area. And so then they were excited that something was opening in a part of town that isn't considered sexy, still mm -hmm. not really considered sexy. Um, and, and yet they actually had disposable, there's disposable income in this area, but nowhere to go. So I think they appreciated that somebody put a little effort into the build out of the restaurant, the design, the food, the, you know, like a little bit higher quality than maybe, there was a there wasn't much of that around here. Yeah, so I think that they, that particular cuisine is a little bit uh, unusual uh, for Miami. I mean, mostly you see Cuban and I mean, there's South American variety, South American, right. but uh, yeah, so Middle yeah. Eastern or Mediterranean, it's really kind of the here and there. Right, and that goes back to this city having having that there was still there's still room for growth and room for people to come and do things. Um, yeah, so I think that they just, people just wanted to see it succeed. And I think by getting to know the owner a little bit and seeing it and seeing the genuine sort of um, desire to make people happy and to, to make something work, um, then because they enjoyed their experience, on top of that, they then wanted to bring their friends or have their child's birthday or a post-baptism lunch right. or, you know, like, so, so right away, um, my regular customers within the first few months and years came and then they'd have their they'd encourage their friends to come and have meals here or have get togethers here. Uh, local community organizations started to, you know, like it was like give and take, we would donate right. stuff and they would start to have functions here. Um, but I think that, that that being that involved as an individual owner um, and, and them hearing the story of how this restaurant was built where, you know, like when you go talk to them and they ask, of course, because the building's unusual about, like, for unusual for the area, I should say. We're not right. in Chicago or New York or, 
or London. So when they would have questions about the building and how they've never seen this, noticed this building before and, and you know, how did I come here? And, my, you know, hearing my mother was in the kitchen. And so I think them hearing the story of it was just as exciting as, as the food they were eating uh, or just as interesting or just as, you know, something that was That's made them fascinating. That's fascinating and that's a, a fantastic, uh, you know, a description because uh, for our audience that are interested in visual storytelling, you know, we typically say that, uh, you know, sometimes you are uh, going to be more intrigued to a product or a service uh, once you know the story behind it. And I think your story kind of uh, proves several elements here. One is that, uh, you know, the importance of human connection because you invested a lot in uh, getting to know your uh, customers. Uh, and two, uh, obviously the quality of the food is, is a given, as you said, but th what helped you as well is that you picked a niche that it's not uh, that uh, popular in, in Miami. So automatically you get differentiation in the marketplace uh, it's something different that uh, most people haven't tried yet. And I think the com that combination that they get to know you uh, as a human being and know your story, uh, enjoying a food that's unusual for uh, the region, I think it's definitely, uh, I see what happened in terms of uh, the word of mouth, how people heard and kind of spread the word about the restaurant and make it, a success. So I guess that's a lesson for any business leader that is is looking to start. Definitely pick a niche that is uh, not uh, heavily occupied. Uh, and two is that you know really spend on ways of how you can humanize it, the relationship with your audience uh, because the more they know you on a very uh, human level, you know, the good and the bad, uh, that's that's where uh, the connection or the empathy will be created with the audience and they're going to appreciate and uh, experience more. And once they, you got them, obviously they are going to become a, an evangelist on your behalf for right. their friends. So that's great. Yeah. Any particular great lesson from a, from a failure along the way? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's a funny, funny thing because I I don't know. I, I you know I don't really know what that there is a, a failure because we're still here. So I don't know, but you know, like like I guess if I were to think of failure, like we try mm -hmm. if you try to say launch a happy hour, make it popular. Mm -hmm. I would say sometimes I don't know if it's because I would blame it on the location. It's a very residential area. Right. So I would say, oh, it's not going to do well for happy hour because there's, there's no businesses. So people don't leave and want to go. Um, so I, I guess I sort of, I stopped trying in that sense. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe that's good or bad. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not like a, I'm a hard worker, but I'm not like a hustler. I don't, I'm not somebody who will push something because I just yeah. want to see them because I'm insistent that it works. Now I sort of see what will work, what's already naturally working and see how you grow that as opposed to finding mm -hmm. all the different ways to make it work so that it grows so, so much. Right. Cause of course, you know, that's mm -hmm. the people want happy hour, for example, because it's the quiet time because tends right. to go out to eat after seven thirty eight. So that's why they try and lure people in between five and seven 
because they have to be there because they're, they're, they're open then. Um, it's, it would be weird to open a restaurant at 7.30 or 8. That's just too late um, because you have some people that want to come in earlier. You have your staff there, so people just want to fill, start filling the room faster. But so I guess I, I sort of, when I see something doesn't work, I kind of keep it moving and see and, and sort of focus on what does work. So as far as failure in this industry, is it a dish maybe or something that you tried? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I again, I track that too in, in the sense that um, it, it disappoints people, but sometimes when something doesn't sell well, because you, you know, it needs to be fresh, so you don't right. want to keep throwing it out. You take it off the menu, which then, you know, again, I have a lot of regular customers, so you have, you're going to disappoint a couple of people who did like it, but they're not enough to continue making it, especially we have a large menu because we have, you know, the re we didn't want to just make it Middle Eastern, so we covered the region, and then we have the pastas and the pizzas to, to yeah, represent yeah. Italy. We have a few French dishes. We have a few, you know, so it's a large menu. So when you start to see what doesn't work or what's redundant, you know, you in five years I've streamlined it slightly. I, I haven't, we haven't changed much, um, um, but you know, you sort of see things just to, again, to make to optimize the operation to make sure that it, it flows because the logistics. Yeah. You know, so I would say that you know it's. And restaurant employees are harder work than I imagined. So um, it just in the Perhaps. sense that they, they come and go. Um, I was coming. I came from a world of professionals. Professionals, not necessarily because they have degrees and wear suits, but professionals in that they took their their careers very seriously. Their reputations were immensely important, or they wouldn't get another tour, right? So everybody was freelance yeah. in the sense that you get a tour. It may last six months, nine months, a year, two months, but if you're not good. And if you have, if people have anything negative to say about you, people don't want to take you on because you essentially live and work together. So right, everybody right. really took their job seriously, did the best they could, um, and and usually excelled to get to that degree. So it's it's I would say, and I'm still struggling with the the shock of the different sort of um, styles mentality of that people have in in this sort of work. I mean, you know, and it is what it is. You're working with people that. Um, you know, like this isn't a career. It sort of feels like it for most people. This is a transition stage. Um, you know, like the kitchen folks are probably the only ones that this is like their job, and they'll they'll be here for years, and they have been most of them. The front of house changes, so you're constantly having to train people over and over. Uh, which I would say as a not patient person, which I'm not, um, I, I guess I've, I'm finding that to be one of the more challenging aspects right. of, of this industry, but. You know, I, you know that I maybe didn't think through or didn't think was going to be a big deal, and, and maybe overall it isn't. But I would say that's one of the most frustrating things. So I, I you know, it's hard to. I don't think failure because I think, like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't have that's such a. Yeah, I think I don't have such a strong intention towards something that, like, if it doesn't happen, I feel like I failed. I, I sort of feel like if something didn't work out, it mm -hmm. wasn't supposed to. So I'm meant to just find another thing, or if I don't like it. Um, but yeah, the lesson learned that I'm, I'm still learning and still trying to figure out how I navigate my own personality was definitely employees. I've never had them before. Yep. I, had, I had peers and coworkers and a team that I was a part of. Um, even, you know, even when you're at the higher end of that team or whatever, you're still all working together. Um, having yeah, employees a is, is a different situation. Um, and, and having, you know, the kind of employees who can you know, who can go get another job at a restaurant down the street if they leave here, mm -hmm. um, you know, because we don't, restaurant folks don't check references. They don't, yeah. you know, they're, again, they're that whole like reputation and your work 
you know, your work speaking for itself, it doesn't apply here. So that was a bit of a, it's, a, it's like it's something different to deal with, um, which I'm still navigating. So this five years in, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Um, so, you know, I think that's probably the yeah, biggest absolutely. challenge yeah. <laughs> for me. Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is definitely something that uh, it's, a, it's a challenge for any restaurant business. And, but speaking about uh, on the positive side, any any moment or time when you remember where you exceeded uh, your customer expectations with something that uh, really blew them away, and it could be you know a small things that you've done, but it had such a, an, an immense impact. Um, I don't, you know, I don't. I mean, we're always striving to do. You know, this is the hospitality business. People sort of. You know, this is a this is like a world where people kind of walk in the door highly entitled to a perfect experience. And if you slight if they're slighted on any in any way, whether it's anybody's fault or not, or you know whoever's, it's sort of it can go horribly wrong. No matter how many good things are are great, the one bad thing will take over. So it's a it's a tough world, you know, like, so you're, you know, you're sort of always having to try it. One lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're constantly trying to go above and beyond. I think the most feedback, I mean, I don't know, because when people compliment me, I'm not, I don't take them in very well. I sort of brush them off fast. So I, you know, I don't, I think the fact that we have so many people who continue, continually return um, and tell people about us is sort of mm. maybe my sort of, maybe that's what tells me that they, they are feeling like they're getting good service and good food and it is a little bit above and beyond. Right. Uh, and then the events, I would say, you know, we've had several weddings here now. Um, oh. and, and those people, you know, you see them again coming back. I've seen people get married, then get pregnant, and have kids and have the baptism here. And, and this is just in five years, you're already sort of seeing the evolution of, of your local neighbor's lives. Oh, that's um, amazing. And, they feel, and they feel very connected to the space because they got married here or had a date here and then they came back later and got married here or got married um, in life but one of their first dates was here you know and they became regulars and then now you know their kids and um, so I would say like that's probably one of the more gratifying um, aspects of it of being like a neighborhood restaurant not not a big fancy say southeast tourist restaurant but um, you know some somewhere in a neighborhood where people live and stay and are here year-round for decades and have, you know, have actually grown up in this city or moved here and settled in this part of town. Um, so I think that, I think that when people sort of have a good experience and then, and then want to hold like such a large memory filled event here Mm -hmm. like that, um, or a large birthday, whether it's their 50th or 60th or 40th or whatever, and they have a lot of friends and family, um, you know, of course we always want to make sure those events go really perfectly for them and, and make it so that they just, they don't have, they have no regrets about making this choice. And mm-hmm. most of the time they're complimentary about their experience and, you know, which is the only thing I would ever accept. Right. So, um, you know, so it's a tough one because I, I mean, the only expectation I have of, of myself and, and our team is that, that it has, that just has to go perfectly. Like we, we don't say no, this is a customer driven business. And um, even when we have reasons to have our own, policies in place because you just have to have them to make sense in a world like everybody needs a little bit of black and white. Usually they don't apply to the customer if the customer insists on something different. Um, right. Because you just have to, when, you know, Absolutely. again, that, that comes with the entitlement walking in because if it's not you, I'm, if, it's not like I'm FPL, right? Uh, you know, sure. I don't like, I, FPL can, 
can have horrible customer service. Right. Well, if I want light, I only have FPL to choose from. So, yeah, you know, yeah. whereas with a restaurant, I mean, if you don't, if I don't, if I'm not perfect for you, or if I don't do everything exactly like you want, you'll never come back and you've got a thousand choices, you know, within 15 minute driving distance, which makes it that, you know, you, you, the, the only thing that you, you have no choice but to go above and beyond, in my opinion, right? You have to do that. That's the only way you'll last um, in this business, you know? I agree, I agree. You give anybody the sense that they're not important or what they want doesn't matter because you have others. It, I, I can't imagine that it would even survive. I'll, I'll serve people food if they come in 15 minutes after we close, um, whatever I can serve. If we turned everything off, I'll offer a salad or dips and a pita or something, but I won't say we don't have anything. Um, because that's just, I don't know. I mean, then that maybe comes from my father specifically, mm. um, who has that sort of hospitable gene and that comes from him, you know, like that's definitely, you know, and my mother too, she always wants everyone to be happy, but he is very, you know, like watching him and his restaurant, like the customers are so important. Um, and he has very similar operation. They, they have, a, my parents have a very similar operation, like, like, like that, you know, where it's very neighborhood friendly community. They've been there 20 years. Um, they're very celebrated in their neighborhood. Um, it's awesome. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that comes from that, you know, like, so and that, and that's probably why I chose this, you know, I mean, I had that guidance. I had that sort of mentorship where I saw how, how they are, they thrive. And a lot of it is, you know, he has the same thing. He's there all the time, you know, yep. talking to all the customers, making them all feel like they're at home and they're welcome and they're the most important people in the world. And, you know, in that moment that he's with them. So that's, that's fantastic. So if you need to kind of, uh, you know, wrap up uh, our conversation with uh, your top three tips for, you know, any business leader who would like to connect better with their audience or customer, what would you say? I mean, you have to meet them, you know, I mean, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many employees you have, you know, it's important to know them, to know who's out there. Uh, I, I say that sometimes now I don't do it as often because I, I've been in, you know, and I think I told you this when we spoke since my mother left, I, I spend more time in the kitchen because the food is very important. It's very, it's kind of difficult to maintain. That's the brain. That's where it's yeah. all coming from. <laughs> so I'm not out there as much, but I think that the time I invested, say the first year, year and a half of doing that um, is what helped. Uh, but I think that meeting people goes such a long way, no matter how much staff you have or manage, because I don't have a manager, so that's part of it too. Um, we, I think getting to know your customers truly, like meeting them, finding out their needs, hearing the feedback of what they like and what they don't like about the right. space um, or about the, the, the um, service is, is really important. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, there's social media. I'm not very good at it. We don't have, you know, I think we're like 2,500 followers. So I yeah. see places that opened last month and they have 10,000 already. I don't know what they're doing because I don't come from that world. You know, you heard right. how, I, how we opened. But yeah. I think we stay engaged still. Mm -hmm. um, we, because, you know, we do do a newsletter, not very frequently. Once, a, mm -hmm. really when there's something major to announce, you know, to remind people. Sure. Um, Mother's Day or or, you know, Easter or, um, you know, if we have live music to tell people who's playing. So I think people do need to kind of sort of get a little reminders that you exist even when they know you. So I think that that maybe helped a little. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I truly think that, you know, and I don't know, I, it's hard to speak for other businesses, but I think that when people have time, you know, it, it, 
they get a little FaceTime with the, with the, the end all be all to it, right? The owner. Um, yeah. And they, and they kind of, they get, they get to be heard or they're seen and they speak to them and there's a little dialogue or some, something about what they, what they're experiencing with your service. I think that that goes a long way for their loyalty. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, so, you know, and, I, and I just don't think that will ever change. You know, I mean, we're definitely like dehumanizing a lot of things with, with technology mm-hmm. and yeah. with corporate growth. Um, you know, that is sort of making lots of things faceless, like enjoyable. You can go. I mean, I, I don't only eat at restaurants with single individual owners. I, sure. I probably do that more than than others. But, you know, we're even getting to a point where single individual owners are opening up four or five restaurants. Right. Which yeah. then separates them again. Right. Uh, you know, it's not like their first one that they opened where they were there all the time. Absolutely. So I think that we're in a world where um, that's just what uh everybody's getting used to it but I think that people you know we're still human and we still appreciate that aspect of things um, no, this is great and I think uh, you know what you said about getting to know your customer is is absolutely on point and you definitely prove that you know in the way you address your customers and and the second thing is really you know the human connection you know how can you create uh, opportunities to connect with your customer that uh, are going beyond just a, you know, a indirect communication, uh, face-to-face, in-person, uh, and provide a, like a stage for, a, for your customer to kind of express themselves about uh, how they feel about your service. And, and that's how you can elevate uh, the relationship uh, Obviously, it's a, a one-on-one uh, kind of a, a interaction, but uh, on top of it, I think the third thing you said is that definitely make sure to uh, continue remind your audience uh, remotely uh, about uh, your latest and greatest uh, stuff you're working on, and that's uh, definitely something uh, that you don't want to uh, disregard as well. Right. Well, this is great. So thank you so much. Uh, this has been thank a fantastic uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you have a really an amazing journey that, uh, with fantastic uh, uh, story uh, ending. Uh, hopefully uh, more to come. Right. And if uh, our viewers and uh, listeners uh, would like to contact you, if they have any questions, uh, how can they contact you? Um, they can reach me at either info at minasmiami.com or my first name is Smeen, Y-A-S-M-I-N-E, at minasmiami, all one word, M-I-N-A-S, miami.com. Um, that's the fastest way. Call the restaurant, leave a message. That's the other way. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty much almost always here, and if I'm not, then the message will make its way to me. So, um, Fantastic. You know, I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> wonderful. Days. All right. Thank you so much. All right. And have Thank a wonderful you. day, and we'll see everybody in the next time. Thank right. you. Thank you very much. Okay. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.